Good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. It is a gorgeous September morning here in old Japan, as we say, or maybe some people say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fiddling with the mic, trying to get it in a good place. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what is this? September maybe 13th? Probably still September 12th in the States, September 13th here in Japan. Just past, uh, of course, the, I want to say, 16th year of the commemoration of uh, 9-11. Um, I always wonder when we're going to stop commemorating that. I guess some people will never stop. Uh, and I suppose some people have stopped already. Uh, in, in Japan, it's uh, traditional to commemorate deaths every so many years, depending on uh, whether you follow Buddhist or Shinto or Christian tradition. Uh, well, I say Christian tr tradition, what I mean is Japanese Christian tradition. But generally, you commemorate one year, and then after that, uh, maybe the seventh year and then the thirteenth year. I think those are Buddhist things. I think three years also Buddhist thing. Uh, but they have very specific numbers. Buddhists are really into uh, numbers, numbers that are, are lucky or uh, bring fortune uh, to their adherents. Uh, so anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I've been uh, continuing on in my uh, Boyd book. I should say uh, Boyd Mammoth work. It's, it's just massive. Uh, behemoth, I suppose, 1,400 plus pages, um, somewhere around getting close to 700, I think, page 700, almost halfway in the second volume. Um, and uh, yeah, what to talk about today? Man, my mind is kind of jumbled, so I may just abort this altogether. Kind of had some emotional up and downs this morning because uh, I am in the middle of a new business venture or the, the planning of a new business venture and that's going to be a partnership with uh, a person with which I'm very close, with whom I'm very close I should say. Uh, she's been like a daughter to my family and a very good friend uh, for many, many years, uh, probably something along the lines of 10 years or more. And we have uh, invited her to move back to our town from pretty far away in Japan. She's down in Osaka to move back into our town to uh, partner partner with us uh, in taking over a cafe, and hopefully with the uh, with the uh, intent of expanding that business as well, uh, possibly into. Uh, restaurants or, or this and that so we're kind of looking at that possibility right now but uh, we have a, a verbal agreement to go ahead and so probably by the end of this next year I will be a co-owner of uh, a little cafe 
here in Japan. Uh, so that's the direction we're going. But uh, you know, in, in things like this, when somebody's having to move from far away to to, to join you, and and when you're having to change, you know, it's a really a big paradigm shift from doing the kind of business we've been doing, which is basically education-based business, into uh, food service. It's it's quite a big um, shift for us as well. So there's just a lot of stuff that's going to go on in that, uh, you know. And um, it's there's a considerable considerable amount of risk involved. Although I I feel like the risk involved in this case is is quite minimal compared to what would normally happen. I feel very lucky in that that uh, regard but anyway that's uh, I, I've been talking with uh, my new partner this morning and just you know going through some of the emotions and things about that one would entail quitting one job and starting another and all of that stuff so anyway uh, I'm not sure I'm quite in the right mind to try and make this happen this morning it was a beautiful morning though. I was able to get up at, at six and uh, read read in the Boyd uh, work for about, I don't know, 45 minutes and then walk the dog and, and then uh, come back and get some coffee and get ready for work. But in that time, uh, of course, I started chatting with, with my partner and, and trying to help her through some of the things uh, she may be feeling. and. And I, I think maybe there's things she's feeling that she doesn't realize she's feeling um, uh, in this process. And it's, it's very difficult to navigate through. You know, do we ever really know what we're feeling? I think is a question that, that comes up to me. You know, we, we tend to express our feelings, but I think sometimes we express our feelings not even knowing what, what the core feeling is, the core thing that we're actually feeling. Uh, sometimes remains unidentified, but we express it nonetheless. All the all the while thinking we're saying one thing, but because our core feeling may be different, we actually may be expressing something different. And so, getting getting to what that core feeling is, um, what that core emotional reaction is that we're we're experiencing in in any situation, I think is is uh, important because I, I think that will better direct the way that we um, express ourselves. On the other hand, if, if it's true that it's very difficult or maybe even impossible to understand what we're feeling without analyzing the expressions, uh, then maybe we maybe that's just part of the painful process. Maybe that's okay too. So, in analyzing the way that we're expressing ourselves, maybe we can. Uh, navigate from there back to the core emotion that we're feeling in a situation and I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that so I'm just spitballing here and um, but there are there are causes and effects and, and sometimes we notice the effects without knowing exactly what what caused those effects what the first cause was uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't know how that will work its way into 
into today. Uh, but you know where I've been, where, the journey I've been on the last several years is, is have has been with you know theology and, and understanding uh, God, understanding the divine uh, to the best that I can, and that's a roller coaster. Oh, just thinking about it makes my brain tired. Sorry about the yawn. You know that's a roller coaster. Uh, if if you're if you're going through and learning new things honestly and openly, uh, you can really be tugged this way and that, uh, and it can be exhausting. Uh, but I found it instead of exhausting, just exhilarating, uh, because for whatever reason, the direction I've been led. I feel like is taking me closer to the true heart of God, which which I don't think in my broken, uh, culturally conditioned human form, I'll ever, ever able to completely comprehend that, uh, at least not until I get my my better, uh, better self. Um, but still yet, uh, I think this is worthwhile I think I think a journey a journey to understand the divine to understand that the person that, that we profess to follow uh, I think is a wonderful endeavor and I wouldn't trade it for anything um, especially since I feel like progress is being made um, and the way I know that progress is being made, my, my standard for that, of course, is Jesus. And, and whether or not he is shining brighter and brighter uh, as I go uh, deeper and deeper into theological uh, subjects. And so far that's the case. Um, he is shining brighter and brighter and showing himself to be better and better uh, than I ever hoped he could be. Um, not, a, I don't mean in any kind of uh, intellectual way, but, but you know, in an existential way, I, I'm experiencing him as being better and better uh, as I hopefully grow deeper and deeper in my relationship with him, and my understanding of him, and my knowledge of him. And I believe the, the Spirit is the one who uh, keeps us on track with that. Uh, the Spirit is not going to make you open your mind or your heart to such things. God is not a coercive God. Uh, he rather chooses to influence than to coerce. And so if the Spirit is do, doing anything in my life, then He is trying to convince me and influence me to pursue Christ. Um, and I believe right now that that's happening. I, I, I cannot boast in that. Um, I can just be grateful, you know. I'm glad that's happening. And all I can do is encourage uh, all of you guys to to pursue Christ 
uh, and allow the spirit uh, to influence you to do so uh, in a way that that will incur the fewest amount of speed bumps uh, and the least amount of pain. Uh, but you can't. You. How do I say this? You can't renovate without destruction. And uh, I think that the the destruction or the deconstruction that has to happen before we can be made more perfectly in the likeness of Christ, I think, is, a, is going to be a painful process. And that's not the fault of God, that's the fault of sin and the bad choices we've made in our lives. We've, we've uh, put up a lot of walls and, and taken out windows and uh, put locks on doors and put up doors uh, in our life uh, because of the bad choices, the poor choices we've made. And those choices come about uh, as a result of our um, not allowing the Spirit to influence us, uh, not allowing Him uh, to convince us of the way that we should go, but instead knowing that our way is the best way. Uh, and so what happens when we insist on our way over God's way is basically it's, you know, my way or the highway what we're saying to God and in that in that process we tend to make God in our own image uh, we make God adhere to what we want uh, what we want to happen what we want to think what we want to be true uh, what we want to believe about God and about ourselves and so we create this God in our image that more more closely resembles us than his true divine nature. Uh, and this is, I think this is what inevitably happens when we start with the Old Testament God and then try to try to, to justify him to the point that he adheres to uh, some of the bigger principles that we know to be Christian principles because of the New Testament. Uh, and that, that causes all kinds of problems. Starting with the Old Testament God, we're going to get what the Old Testament got. And that is uh, enslaved to the law and enslaved to sin. Uh, so if we're going to take the Old Testament God, say that again because I kind of like that, the way that came out. Uh, <laughs> if we... If we adhere to the Old Testament God, we're going to get what Old Testament people got. And that is, uh, yeah, um, enslaved to sin. However, if we, if we see Jesus for who he is and allow him to be only who he is and not make him fit the mold of the Old Testament God, but rather allow him to reveal where the Old Testament was on about who God was, but also where the Old Testament was not on, was, was off, was, was in error about who God was, but allow Jesus to be the standard by which we uh, measure uh, the, 
immeasurable, <laughs> but but by which we uh, identify God, and and as we do that, we see that Jesus is quite different. He represents God in a in a quite different way than God was represented in the Old Testament, and we have to figure that out, right? That's that's maybe that's part of working out your own salvation. I would say you have to work out your own theology. You know, and we all do, right? We all have a theology. We have all, uh, in one way or another, taken the discrepancies between the Old Testament and the New Testament gods uh, and, and made it work somehow so that we can keep our sanity. Um, but I think what we do in the process is we miss a lot of the beautiful mess that is in the Old Testament. And I say beautiful mess because a lot of the a lot of the mess that that uh, a lot of the chaos and the mess and the uh, all of the all of the junk that we see in the Old Testament uh, is beautiful because God accepted it anyway, and He accepted accepted them regardless of their mess. Right, he he stayed with them through it all. He stayed with them through their mess, uh, and uh, lowered himself to remain their God through it all, all the while knowing that he was going to uh, one day reconcile them to himself that he would he would fix it all but even in the brokenness he didn't leave it broken he became broken with them he allowed them to misrepresent him he allowed them to blame him for things that he did not do he allowed them to not understand him to completely misunderstand him and he allows us today to question him, to question his motives. Uh, the fact that God is okay with us not understanding him is a huge revelation. And we see this in Jesus. Jesus was constantly misunderstood. He was called uh, blasphemous. I mean, how, how could creator of the universe, the God Almighty be blasphemous. Uh, but this happened because they didn't know who he was. Uh, they did not understand his message. Uh, and frankly, they probably didn't want to understand his message. They, they wanted to think, especially the, the Pharisees and the leaders of, of the people, and the, the scribes and the Sadducees, they all wanted to think that they were okay because of the law, that, that they were they were strong in the Lord, if you will, because of their uh, strict adherence to the law, because of their own power. And so the idea that this this may not be true, that, that actually no, uh, there's nothing you can do uh, to, to increase uh, your acceptance by God, that, that that's 
completely up to God to do that. Uh, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, especially people who believe that they make their own luck, that they uh, control their own destiny. Um, and of course, self-righteous people, people who think that, that they are good enough um, to deserve the love uh, that Jesus showed them on the cross. Uh, man, here I've gone on another tangent. I have no idea where I, where I came from. <laughs> so, anyway, so... Yeah, this, this pursuit of, of theology, I, and I, I'm no theologian uh, in any kind of uh, formal way. Of course, I, you know, I went to a Christian university where I had to take the required Bible classes. But, you know, I'm not sure I got a lot out of those. Um, I was more impressed with my Bible teachers than the actual classes, I think. Uh, one in particular, who I still think very fondly of. I thought he was a great man. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, seeing how we react to the Bible, or react to God, okay, I think I remember where I was going with this, it's from my, my friend who's partnering with me in business, so back, back to her, she, you know, she's, she's um, reacting to her feelings, and, I, and I'm hoping to get her closer to understanding what she's actually feeling. Uh, I, I think we see the same thing in the in the way that people react to the scripture they read. That the way they react actually reveals what their theology is. So when you read a certain passage, your interpretation of that passage will reveal who you think God is and what you think God is up to. Um, and that way, the Bible is a is a Rorschach test or a mirror. Um, because we project, not just onto people, uh, we project onto the scriptures ourselves, and we see, we're able to see ourselves in the way that we, we read the scriptures. Uh, and this is something that uh, uh, Boyd brings up, talking about the, the, the Bible as a Rorschach test. Uh, and I think that's true, and I, and I think it's, it's important to get down to the core of what we actually think or feel or believe. I think that's a, a great thing to do, uh, and we usually think it's obvious, but I'm pretty sure it's almost never obvious. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that our uh, true motivations and feelings and, and beliefs uh, are often hidden from us. Um, but they come out, and I think other people are able to see them sometimes better than we are ourselves. Um, especially those who are perhaps a little farther along the road than we are. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, more mature uh, in their walk with Jesus, or, uh, and I guess this would be in any field, right? So,
yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I would just encourage you to continue to to search and to wrestle with the scriptures and and uh, and to not settle and not feel like you have to jump through hoops uh, to make the Bible say what you think it should say. But I think if there's one principle that you should adhere to, not just because I say it, but, but well, if that works, yeah, go for it. <laughs> but use Jesus as your guide. Use Jesus as your, your, your lens, your hermeneutic. Uh, and, and especially Jesus on the cross, as Boyd um, theorizes, is the best way his thesis of the book, uh, to examine both yourself, the world, nature, uh, and especially scripture. Um, it's amazing uh, when you're able to do that. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, at first, it's going to cause a lot more questions uh, than provide answers. It'll cause numerous questions. For example, when you see that Jesus believes in a embrace and love your enemy way of living. Okay, how does that? How do you? What do you, what do you now do with the Old Testament uh, picture of a warrior God, a God who wields a wields a sword, a, a God who kills? Uh, sometimes seemingly indiscriminately, a God who commands killing. Well, you've got it now. You have a new Bible suddenly. You're like, whoops, what do I do with all that? And that's where Boyd's work comes in. Uh, and he's, he's using the cruciform hermeneutic to reconcile the Old Testament with the New Testament, to reconcile the Old Testament violent God uh, with the New Testament loving Jesus. Uh, and so far he's doing an amazing job. Um, I'll tell you what, one thing you won't hear me ever saying anymore is uh, I read the Bible literally. Uh, because now I literally believe there is no way to read the Bible literally. <laughs> There's no way that you can. Um, not the entire Bible. And I would I would say probably not most of the Bible. And what I what I, I don't mean by that, that that there aren't historical facts in the Old Testament. Okay, I believe there are some historical facts in the Old Testament. And uh, I I believe the history is one that should be examined. But, uh, I don't think that the only thing that's happening is the thing that you read on the surface, okay? Uh, I think there are multiple layers and dimensions. Yeah, I stick by that, actually. There, there are dimensions. There, there are things happening in another dimension which have a parallel event that is happening in this physical dimension. 
understanding the way the two dimensions uh, work with and play off each other um, will we'll go a long way to understanding what's really going on uh, with, with the violent God. Uh, and, and understanding the principles of, for example, what Boyd calls divine accommodation. Principle that that God allows Himself to be misrepresented for a purpose that it actually shows His nature, and that nature comes through as Jesus on the cross, the cruciform hermeneutic, uh, is active in the less than accurate depictions of God's character and His actions in the Old Testament. Um, man, this is wrestling with it. You, you got to wrestle with this stuff. There's no other way around it, uh, unless you're just going to say, "I'm going to turn off my brain and I'm going to just accept everything at face value and go on with my life because that just seems easier." Well, for me, it may have seemed easier at the time, but. It's exhausting trying to defend a violent God in the face of a loving Jesus. It's exhausting. Um, and it doesn't ring true. And people see through it. Religious people generally don't see through it. Generally. We don't see a problem with it. Because we have been conditioned to just accept and to move on. Just accept everything at face value. Um, but like I said, if, if this wrestling with these scriptures and these ideas did not make Jesus shine even brighter, uh, then, then I would... I would maybe side with most of the religious people and say, "Yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, you're going to you're going to go off track. It's going to make you uh, stop believing in God altogether, or or to be anti-God, to maybe believe there is a God, but that you don't like him, that that he's unlovable, that he's evil. Some people have gone that direction too. Um, so I don't think it's without risk, but I would say." benefit greatly outweighs the risk. That the benefit of wrestling with who God is, um, who God is really, uh, greatly outweighs the risk. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. I, I think, um, yeah, my, my last advice is that whatever you do, if, if Jesus shines brighter and brighter and truer and truer uh, and you're seeing the, the uh, fruits of that in your life, um, then I'd say you're heading in the right direction. Don't be afraid of the big questions. Don't be afraid to wrestle with God until you understand better. who he is and what he's trying to do and what he's trying to say.
right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Have an awesome, awesome day. Bye-bye.